Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, August 24th, and we start, as always, with local news. Yesterday, Senator Bill Haggerty was in Columbia touring several businesses and organizations and meeting with community leaders as part of his statewide economic development tour. WKOM WKRM's Clayton Harris caught up to the senator and spoke with him about what he is learning about the state of the economy as he tours Tennessee. Clayton Harris with Front Porch Radio here at Puckett's in downtown Columbia with Senator Bill Haggerty. How's it going, sir? Well, it's great uh, to be back here in Tennessee. This is my third annual economic development tour across the state. i got to say this. Tennessee's business climate is so much better than other states in the United States. We are having more companies move here, more investment of capital, but we still have challenges that are being precipitated by the bad policies in Washington. By that, I mean this massive inflation that's been underway ever since day one when the president came into office, President Joe Biden came into office and began to wage war on the oil and gas industry here in America. We've seen energy prices go through the roof here, not only in America, but across the world. That's inherently inflationary. Far too much stimulus was pumped into the economy. I've had employers tell me that they were competing against the federal government because folks could make more money getting government benefits than they were working. So things are coming back to normal on the stimulus side. The inflation is slowing, but it's still growing. And if you look at it from the day that Joe Biden took office till today, inflation is at a record high. If we were to go to zero growth of inflation till the end of President Biden's term, he would hold the record for the highest inflation president of the century. We've got to acknowledge that fact. Inflation prices are up north of 20% for workers at the stores. Um, Inflation overall is up in the high teens in America. And certainly, if you think about the various inputs that manufacturers need here for their businesses to survive and thrive, a lot of things have gone up even more than that. And I was just talking with the mayor, telling me about uh, the GM plant having a lot of cars just sitting there right now waiting for some small part. Uh, because of supply chain disruptions and difficulties because they're dependent on an overseas supplier where their economy isn't going quite right. So it's a complicated uh, it's a complicated formula that we're trying to address. I do feel optimistic, though, that the American economy is and will continue to be the strongest in the world. Our ingenuity and our capability is unique, and we are the most exceptional nation ever in the history of, of, of the world. We will get through this. But it's not without its challenges right now, and it's been helpful for me to be out talking with business leaders to hear what those challenges are so I can take that back to Washington in September and begin to implement, I hope, um, you know, changes, improvements, and pushing back on some of these policies, though it may be well-intended, will have second- and third-order effects that be very damaging to our economy. As you travel across the state on your economic development tour, what, what's the one thing you're hearing from Tennesseans? The, the biggest thing that I've been hearing about these past weeks has been inflation. And the, the, the real concern there, and I think it's being exacerbated by the fact that President Biden is out on a media tour trying to claim credit for saving the economy when he's done everything he can to put the economy into the tank. And, and that is really, I think, it, it, reminding people who can see through this that Joe Biden precipitated the inflation in the first place. All you have to do is look back to the previous administration. Our economy was growing at twice the rate of any other major economy in the world. Today, that's not the case. And what we find is a weakened economy, a weakened military, and a weakened posture in the world 
look no further than Afghanistan to think about what our reputation is like. This is why we have challenges now coming back with China and Taiwan, with North Korea. Iran is back at it again. They're the largest state sponsor of terror, and we just gave them $6 billion and put a price on every American's head because we're paying them to release people that they've taken as hostages. You look at South America, you've got a terrible situation in Venezuela, Cuba, and again, the situation in Ukraine and Russia. That wouldn't be happening, in my view, if it weren't for the position that Joe Biden has adopted. Senator, thank you for uh, giving us a few minutes of your time today, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with you. Continued delays in the project schedule of the I-65 June Lake Interchange in Spring Hill have caused the anticipated completion date to be pushed back to late spring of 2024. The original completion date was set for the summer of 2023. It was pushed to the winter of 2023 due to permitting and right-of-way delays, but with additional issues in unforeseen weather and unsuitable soil, the project is now expected to be complete in the spring of next year. According to the contractor Bell Construction, various pre-construction activities like acquiring permits and right-of-way acquisitions, among other things, took longer than expected, forcing some construction activities into the wetter, colder months, slowing production and limiting available workdays. On top of that, the mid-state's wet summer has contributed to unforeseen soil and material issues, which kept crews from completing mass grading work on time. The contractor will be assessed $15,000 in liquidated damages for each day past the contract completion date. Motorists are advised to plan for extra travel time and slow down while in a work zone. Murray Regional Medical Center's CEO Dr. Martin Cheney gave an update on the center's $115 million facility improvement plan, which aims to expand access to care as Murray County continues to grow. Expansion was first announced in June with a ceremony held on the front lawn of Murray Regional. The plan includes an exterior renovation, two additional floors, and an emergency department expansion and renovation, among others. Speaking to the county's Health and Environment Committee back in August, Cheney said two major practice renovations are currently in the works for both a pulmonary practice and OBGYN, which are scheduled for a ribbon cutting in the September-October timeframe. This is going to be a significant step up for women's health in our community, Dr. Cheney said. That should be opening up in September, and then our pulmonary practice is in October. That one is on the hot seat because we've recruited several additional pulmonary critical care specialists, he said. Cheney also updated the committee on the progress of the surgery center, which is in the process of expanding. We're still on track. The architects have met with the surgeons, and we are finalizing architectural plans, and hopefully we'll be moving on that project by the end of this calendar year, with the hope of having it operational next calendar year, he said. Lots of important progress is going on to meet our strategic plan, he added. Speaking on the fiscal year, which closed June 30th, Dr. Cheney said the hospital saw almost 17,000 admissions. These are the utilization indicators for last fiscal year, he said, adding that ER visits topped 61,300, while births saw a 6% increase of 1,700. Our Murray Regional Medical Clinics see a lot of encounters each year. A recent statistic that was shared with me is that we see over 600 new patients a month in our Murray Regional Medical Group clinics. It just speaks to what we want to be and try to be for access to our community, Dr. Cheney said. Murray Regional's improvement plan will be implemented over the next 30 to 36 months. Funds will come from a number of sources, including a $60 million bond issuance and a $36 million energy as an asset service agreement. 
Other sources include a state grant and a vendor partnership. Yesterday, AHA Indian Bar and Grill held their grand opening in Spring Hill. WKOMWKRM's Mary Susan Kennedy stopped by to sample the menu. Good afternoon. This is Mary Susan Kennedy with Front Porch Radio. And today I'm in Spring Hill at the AHA Indian Bar and Grill. And I'm speaking with the two owners. We're at their ribbon cutting and grand opening. And I'm just going to tell you, this place looks fabulous and the food smells perfectly delicious. I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. Hello, this is Shashank. I'm one of the owners of the AHA Indian Bar and Grill. Great. And our other owner? Hi, this is Krish. I'm the one of the wonderful uh, Indian Bar and Grill. Wonderful. Tell our listeners about what all y'all offer here. So we have a wide range of authentic Indian food, and uh, it, it, it encompasses the whole North India, South India, East India, West India. Wide range of uh, entrees, appetizers, kebabs, naans, you know, and uh, chaat. And uh, we also have a wide range of uh, cocktails, and uh, like liquor, beer, Indian beer, cocktails, and uh, like refreshing juices. Oh, that sounds perfectly delicious. Would you like to add something to that? Yeah, uh, we, we also do like uh, sort of caterings. So if any caterings are needed for any events, anything like that, definitely we are in. Like, you know, we can do the catering for, uh, like, you know, and, and, like, you know any, anything, like, you know, South Indian or North Indian, anything, we can do the catering. That sounds perfect. And what are your days and hours of operation and your location? So the days, uh, basically, we are closed on Mondays. And every day it's like 11 to 9.30. And 2.30 to 4.30 is closed. Okay. And do you happen to do any of the delivery services? Yes, yes, we do, we partnered with uh, a nationwide delivery services like Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. So we take a wide range of orders through those uh, services. Well, that is wonderful. There's so many ways to get your delicious products. Well, again, congratulations. Um, this just looks fabulous. I can hardly wait to try some. Oh. Thank you. Thank Front Porch Radio, Mary Susan Kennedy. The city of Spring Hill discussed revisiting its project to restore Spring Hill Fire Department's vintage Firebell fire truck and preserve a piece of the department's history. Restoration of the antique fire engine, which is a 1957 Ford F700 truck, was first introduced in 2014. It is now used annually at events such as leading the Spring Hill Christmas Parade. Fire Chief Greg Temple said the initial efforts to restore the truck included forming a committee as well as raising funds via donations. They approached several other entities for funding. The Spring Hill Historical Commission donated $15,000 to the project, while several local businesses invested a lot of donations, time, effort, and energy, Temple said. This truck is very big in our fire prevention world. Temple added that during the 2022 Christmas parade, the truck was discovered to suffer some engine problems, and that while the 2014 restoration brought the Fire Bell truck back to life in many ways, the work didn't include the vehicle's inner working mechanics. The bearings in the crankcase are shot, and the actual crankcase is shaken to the point where it is going to fail. It's become very unreliable at this point, Temple said. At this point, we are at a juncture and need to find funds to fix the engine, which is going to be between six and $10,000, he said. Temple, who presented the project to the Board of Mayor and Aldermen on Monday, said he now seeks guidance and direction on how to secure the needed funding. The options could include money from the city's general fund or once again taking the donation route, as was done in 2014. 
Vice Mayor William Pomeroy asked City Administrator Pam Caskey if the money could come from city tourism funds, which she said could be possible. You can use up to 25% of tourism funds on non-tourism activities, Caskey said, though you might even stretch this one to be called a marketing tool, and there is an adequate amount of money in that fund that would not impact it. So that's actually a good idea if you wanted to pursue it, she said. Alderman Trent Linville asked if the availability of parts for the 66-year-old vehicle would be an issue or possibly lead to more costs if it were to be custom-built. Temple said the parts needed would not be difficult to find. The tricky part, he said, is locating someone skilled enough to work on vintage engines like this. Alderman Matt Fitterer said that having the General Motors plant nearby, there's always the possibility a candidate could be hired locally, or at least it's worth a shot. You could probably find three guys retired from GM that could take care of it on a weekend, Fitterer joked. Kasky said if the city were to take the tourism funding route, the Fire Bell Project would appear on the Board of Mayor and Alderman's September agenda as a resolution. The city of Mount Pleasant is set to open bids for water and sidewalk improvement projects following approval of the South Central Tennessee District Grant. Last year, the city was also awarded American Recovery Plan funds from the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation to be used for water projects, with the county providing $698,112 and the state $1.5 million. Mount Pleasant Finance Director Shiprick Hawks said the city intends on completing two projects with the funds. One is to find more water sources and increase water intake, and the other is to prevent water loss so we can support the growth we're getting, Cox said. The city is also waiting on bids to begin sidewalk improvements on North Main Street. On North Main Street right now, the sidewalk actually stops at 3rd Avenue, Mount Pleasant Mayor Bill White said. We would like to carry that on out to at least the shopping center. That's where a big part of that will go. We were very pleased to be getting that money, White said, of the $1.8 million awarded. Schiffer Cox said the city is currently looking for engineering services for the project. There are so many requirements you have to meet before you start any construction, she said. With these projects, we have to get engineers on board who understand how to do this. Meanwhile, the city has also applied for the Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthy Places grant, which would go towards improving the Rotary Park. We are applying for some parks money for the Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthy Places grant, which was submitted last week, City Manager Kate Collier announced during last week's commission meeting. We've applied three times, and we've not been granted. The feedback we've gotten is that the park we were using did not impact enough of the population. We have so many people that use this other park, so we hope we have better luck this time, she said. Mayor White said bids for sidewalk improvements will open next week, while the engineering bid for the water project is set to go out in the next 30 to 45 days. The Spring Hill Board of Zoning and Appeals denied a variance to the designated number of parking spots required at a future sleep-in hotel planned for Kedron Road. Currently, the city's unified development code requires two parking spaces per room in the hotel, which comes to 96 total spaces. The applicant, T-Square Engineering, proposed just 66 parking spaces. The parking reduction would take place on the front side of the building to be constructed on the site, city staff report reads. Staff finds the request not consistent with the UDC and does believe that the proposal will have a significant detrimental impact on the public good or any of the surrounding property. Mayor Jim Hageman said the motion to deny made the motion to deny the variance. There is no hardship to be found based on the submitted documents, he said. 
Citizen feedback, both online and during the approval process, have been mostly negative toward a hotel being built in what is designated as a downtown area. Christy Smith, a nearby resident to the property, read excerpts from the city's Spring Hill Rising 2040 plan detailing the type of businesses and buildings the city planned for that area. She then spoke about the potential for the property were a hotel not considered at the site. The property sits adjacent to Home Depot and behind First Farmers Bank across the street from Best Western. Envision on this property, instead of a hotel, a Spring Hill City Center market, she said. One building, open flow from one end to the other, one that gives nods to the roots of Spring Hill by supporting local farmers, businesses, and artists, she said. This is the type of place that embodies the small-town feel and culture that the Spring Hill Rising Plan has laid out to protect, she said. Unfortunately, Austin Brass of the city staff noted that while the plot is inside the designated area, it is zoned C4, which would allow the hotel to be built by right, without approval, from the commission if all other requirements are met. It is unknown whether the developer intends to appeal the decision to the Board of Mayor and Aldermen. You're invited to Texas Roadhouse in Spring Hill today, Thursday, August 24th, to support the shelter and friends of Murray County Animal Services, who will receive 10% of your total food purchase between 3 and 8 p.m. Think of all the good that Murray County Animal Services can do with that 10%. Just show a flyer, which you can download at www.murraycountysource.com to your server, and they will take care of the rest. We'll see you at Texas Roadhouse later today. And now, your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Roger Anthony Riddle, 67, retired sales manager with Service Partners, died Saturday, August 19th at Murray Regional Medical Center. Funeral services will be held on Friday at 1 p.m. at Graymere Church of Christ. Burial will follow at Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 3 to 7 p.m. at Graymere Church of Christ. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have mostly sunny skies today with continued excessive heat. We have a heat advisory in effect. The high today will be 96 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect mostly clear skies and a low of around 74 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. 
It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association, funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. A gulf continued to widen Wednesday between the House and Senate as the Tennessee legislature pushed ahead during the special session called in the wake of the deadly Covenant school shooting. 
The Senate coalesced around three bills that passed through the Judiciary Committee the day before and was set to take final votes on them yesterday afternoon. Meanwhile, other Senate committees quickly dispensed with dozens of other bills, including some top priorities for House GOP leaders. In some cases, Senate committees lasted less than a minute. The surviving Senate bills include a measure to remove sales tax on gun safes and provide free gun locks to Tennessee residents, a proposal to change the deadline for courts to submit records to the state background check database, and a bill to require the TBI to create an updated report on human human trafficking. Other proposals, including a risk protection order proposal, another that would have armed teachers and expanded funding and insurance coverage for mental health treatment, are all tabled in the Senate. The upper chamber seems set on steamrolling toward an early adjournment. The body is set to return for a floor session at 2 p.m., and Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, a Republican from Franklin, has filed resolutions to adjourn as early as Wednesday. That would be a roadblock for bills the House wants to adopt. Without passage of a companion bill in the Senate, any legislation passed in the, se- in the House is essentially barred from moving forward. Still, the House plowed ahead on Wednesday. Southeast region Stella Weaver made history Tuesday at the 2023 Little League World Series while playing for Tennessee State champion Nolansville. The only girl playing in this year's tournament, Weaver recorded her third hit of the World Series in three games. Her single to right field against Nevada in the fourth inning of her team's 2-1 victory earned her the U.S. record for hits by a girl in the Little League World Series. The single also tied Weaver with Canada's Katie Reyes for most hits by any girl at the series. Making it even more memorable, Weaver scored what turned out to be the winning run in the elimination game. That's crazy to me, she said. Me and Coach Randy made a bucket list. We we did how many hits has a girl ever had in the U.S.? I thought it was so much fun. Getting that hit was just crazy, she said. Weaver was aware she was approaching the record, but it wasn't at the forefront of her mind during Tuesday's game. I wasn't thinking about it at all, she said. Once I got back to the dugout, I was like, oh my God, I just remembered that. Weaver was the starting pitcher for Nolansville Little League on Monday when she struck out the first batter she faced. Weaver is the first girl to play for Nolansville Little League, the 22nd to play in the Little League World Series, and the 10th to record a hit there. She lists her sports idol as Monet Davis, who played in the 2014 Little League World Series. Tragedy has struck Tennessee Titans cornerback Caleb Farley for the second time in five years, Late Monday, his father, Robert M. Farley, died in an explosion at Caleb's North Carolina home. Robert Farley, 61, was found dead following a suspected gas leak. The event resulted in the collapse of the 6,391-square-foot home. Another person, Christian Rogers, 25, was injured and transported to a hospital in Charlotte with non-life-threatening injuries. The explosion comes five years after Farley's mother, Robin, died from breast cancer in 2018 following a 2009 diagnosis. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Cypress Hill will perform at Ascenda Amphitheater on Tuesday, September 5th at 8 p.m., signifying a massive year for hip-hop legend Cypress Hill. This exciting collaboration comes in celebration of the 30th anniversary of the group's iconic second studio album, Black Sunday. From the record that delivered fans mega hits like Insane in the Brain, I Ain't Going Out Like That, and many more, the group will be bringing the full collection to the stage alongside the Nashville Symphony. Audiences can get ready for a can't-miss genre-bending experience from these musical powerhouses. You can find tickets by visiting www.nashvillesymphony.org. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOMWKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.